I would not have had this um, if I had not taken Wolof. Um, so I think that it's not about, in my case, um, receiving a specific credit, but how it shapes, how it will ch shape and change the way you think and see the world. Um, and that will make a difference in your life interpersonally, but also if you plan on going into the academy or whatever profession you end up going into, um, you sort of have a more expansive way of looking at the world. You're listening to Speaking of Language, a podcast recorded at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. Each week, we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week on Speaking of Language. Aliu Gambrell and Kevin Kwong have spent the last few years learning languages in multiple modalities, in person with other students, connecting individually over Zoom, and through the hybrid video-linked classrooms of Cornell, Yale, and Columbia's Shared Course Initiative. Here's what they had to say about their varied experiences as language students. Welcome to a new episode of Speaking of Language. I'm Angelica Kramer, the director of the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. And I'm Sam Lupowitz, the LRC's media manager. Today, we will take a look back over the last few years of language learning and speak with two Cornell students who are participating in our shared course initiative. Kevin Kwong is a graduate student and Aliu Gambrell is a senior. Welcome to Speaking of Language, Kevin and Aliu. Oh, thank you for having me here. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So let's jump right in here. What we are interested in hearing about is the journey with languages that the two of you embarked on. Kevin, maybe you can get us started and share with our listeners a little bit more information about which languages um, you speak and you have been learning here at Cornell and what got you interested in particularly these less commonly taught languages. So I am natively bilingual in English and Cantonese. I learned French in high school and college, and I have also taught French here at Cornell. Over the years, I've attempted, I've attempted to learn various languages with varying degrees of success. And these include the languages that I've studied through the Language Resource Center, such as Khmer, Hungarian, and Finnish. Uh, specifically, my interest in these languages has a lot to do with my uh, PhD studies in linguistics. I'm very interested in topology, looking at the structural characteristics of languages that often transcend genetic relationships. So uh, Cantonese, for instance, bears many typological similarities to the genetically unrelated languages of the mainland Southeast Asian linguistic areas, such as Vietnamese and Khmer and Thai. They are all isolating languages, which means that they have low morpheme to word ratios. Each morpheme tends to correspond to exactly each word. While at the opposite extreme, there are the synthetic languages of Central Eurasia, such as Finnish and Hungarian, which are both in the Uralic family. And I've also previously studied Turkish, which is Turkic. And all of these languages display a very high morpheme to word ratio, where uh, words are composed by adding many derivational inflectional suffixes. So you get these very long words that condense a lot of meaning into a very short um, a uh, very compact um, expression. That's awesome. What about you, Aliu? 
Okay, so um, my first language because of my mother was Haitian Creole. Um, and uh, my father speaks Pular, so I also spoke um, Pular to some extent growing up. Um, I was familiar with it. Um, and then I also spoke French growing up as well. Um, and at Cornell, I started learning the Wolof language. Um, and I was interested in Wolof, one, because um, as a child, I was aware of um, Wolof, but I did not speak any Wolof. Um, so I would often make fun of sort of how it sounded to me. Um, and specifically how confusing it sounded to me. Mm. Um, it's very different sounding than Pular. Um, uh, yeah, and my interest in learning Wolof um, was one, I think that none of my family members can write or read in Wolof, but also it's very connected to Senegalese identity um, to be able to speak Wolof, um, increasingly so. Um, so I was interested in Learning this, I did not like being referred to as a Ghanaian whenever I went to Senegal. And you can't move around many of the urban spaces, um, you know, uh, if without will love. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I'm just blown away by the number of languages that the two of you have studied. You know, we offer almost 60 languages at Cornell, and the two of you cover basically half. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah. All right, so a, a little background for our listeners before our next question. The Shared Course Initiative, or SCI, is a collaborative agreement between Columbia, Cornell, and Yale universities to share instruction in the less commonly taught languages using high-definition video conferencing. SCI courses are not online courses, but we follow a classroom model where students go to the respective language center at their institution and connect with their teacher and the other students live in specially equipped rooms. So... Uh, both of you have been a part of the SCI before and during and, dare we say, after the pandemic. Um, and we really want to hear from both of you your experiences learning languages at a distance. So, reflecting on the last two-plus years, have your experiences as a language learner at Cornell changed? And if so, how? Uh, so, with that simple and direct prompt. Uh, Aliu, why don't you get us started with that? Yeah. Um, so I, I think at first, uh, right, quarantine was definitely a challenge. Um, just, I think, mentally more than anything else. Um, not being in the LRC um, and having those boards and all those cameras and fancy gadgets around me um, was different. But I think that um, actually quarantine helped me um, a lot in my will of study and sort of focused me. Um, Professor Miriam C., um, shout out, uh, did a very good job of adapting and also using different um, materials. So I remember that we switched from um, some of the more text-based materials that we were using to looking at um, film um, and looking at songs and specifically um, music that was being produced in response to the coronavirus. Um, and so, of course, in will of culture, that's very, very important, sort of these uh, oral modes of transition. And then also... Uh, it, it allowed us to sort of engage with the realities in a similar way to um, the way the people in Senegal were engaging them and sort of see uh, different perspectives. So it was it was very helpful for me. And then um, also with the digital format of um, writing, making sure that we were writing more um, and writing online and specifically um, posting a lot of discussion posts. Um, it was like a blog that sort of formed in our classroom, um, and that was very helpful to even start thinking in um, that mode in relation to Wolof, yeah. Kevin, how about you? I think switching to the 
purely online format during the pandemic just made me realize how important the informal interactions that go on on the margins of the classroom are for language learning. You find out so much through casual conversation about how to learn language, you share cultural information with other students and the teacher. There are all these details that you just don't appreciate until you are deprived of that opportunity for that very informal interaction on the margins. And I think during during the pandemic, we've tried to recreate that through online media, through group chats, but there are limitations Mm -hmm. that the medium imposes on how much informal interaction you have. Uh, You can start a Zoom meeting and end it, and then everyone just disappears and Mm -hmm. you don't see each other again for a week. And I'm really glad to be back in some kind of physical classroom now, even though there is still that distance Mm -hmm. via video conferencing, it's at least good to have other students in the same physical space where you can talk about your learning experiences. So in our Finnish class, they had their Kalevala Marathon at Columbia a few weeks ago, and each of us had to perform a short excerpt from the Finnish national epic. Uh, they had their party and we had our party mm. here. So we were eating we were eating lots of finished chocolate and sweets <laughs> and this is all being live streamed so they could actually see what we were eating. Nice. And we could see their party on the other side as well. So that kind of informal interaction I think is very important mm. for language learning and it's the part of uh, it's a part of language learning I missed most during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. It's good to have it back. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So how does learning a language at a distance through the SEI compare to some of your other learning experiences, specifically with languages when you think about languages that maybe you have taken in a fully face-to-face format or in a fully online format? Yeah, Aliu. Yes, I think that, um, it, right, of course, it depends on, on the professor um, or the instructor. Um, but in my experience, it's been um, really helpful. Uh, the ability to share screens and look closely um, at text and also um, even in writing notes um, and typing with my uh, sort of Word document on the board or the television screen in front of me um, and with the ability for um, Professor C specifically to see it, um, it sort of allows for a lot of things that might be small mistakes that seem ins- inconsequential to um, be seen and corrected um, faster. Um, And then for Professor C, um, in her sort of fashion, to uh, elaborate on why specifically I need to be making different choices or asking me even um, why I did choose to make a certain um, choice in terms of specifically phonology and writing um, and orthography and like how I'm hearing things and what I'm hearing and what I'm not hearing. Um, So it's been very helpful in that sense. But also just in terms of, I think that uh, the world is moving increasingly to digital spaces. Um, And so even when the pandemic first broke out, I was able to adapt, I feel like, faster. And because I was used to using chat features, used to responding with um, certain things, uh, these emoji expressions, um, and also used to being like seen on a camera. I I was, I'd had no problem with this. Um, So yeah, I think that it was also just helpful just in general in terms of the Mm -hmm. way that society is going. Yeah. Interesting. 
Kevin, what are your thoughts about this? I'm actually in the strange position of having experienced this, studying the same language with the same teacher across all three huh. modalities. So I started taking Hungarian on the elementary level in a face-to-face -face class at Columbia, where I was an undergrad. And when I came to Cornell, that was when I did intermediate online during the uh -huh. pandemic year, and then advanced was in SCI classroom, huh. all with the same teacher from Columbia, uh, Carol Rounds. And I would say that I didn't really notice any change in the quantity or the quality of interactions with the students or the teacher, because our classes were always so small. We had no more than three students. So we, uh, we always got to know each other very well, and there was a lot of personalized uh, personalization of the course to the needs and interests of students. So I don't think that the SCI was that radically different from either of the other formats, although I think the content of the interaction does change because when I was at Columbia, it was just with another Columbia student. That was our world. We was all we really talked about. But then in the online version, we got to get a glimpse into each other's homes. So, mm. and there were pets that would make <laughs> appearances. And so then we would talk about different things. And now back in on campus in person in the SCI classroom, you get to interact at a distance with your own, with other students at Columbia, but also students here at Cornell. So I think the, the range of things that we talk and think about change, but I think the, that depth of interaction still remains across all of these formats. That's yeah, fascinating. Great. Yeah. So are, were there any surprises as you reflect over your time learning languages at Cornell, good or, or less good? Uh, I mean, Kevin, you just talked about sort of navigating three different modalities in, in almost as many years. I, I don't know if you have any follow-up on, on that end. I think I've been surprised by how natural online uh, <laughs> and SCI formats have been in uh -huh. comparison to the face-to-face -face format. I still feel that I have learned as much as I would have in a normal traditional classroom. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that the teacher is actually very experienced in delivering online courses as a result of their experience with the SCI. So they were very well prepared for uh, the sudden switch to online instruction during the pandemic. Uh, I think that one of the best aspects of such of this course sharing initiative is that you get to meet people from a range of institutions mm -hmm. and from a range of very different backgrounds who you would not normally have such an easy opportunity to meet. And that has made, I think, just feeling connected during mm -hmm. the pandemic just much more easier. You get to see into other people's worlds and it's like being constantly updated about other people's, about other people's lives and I think that's very important for establishing like, solidarity during mm -hmm. times like these. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think in general, languages do a really good job. Language classes do a really good job of creating community, 
regardless of the modality, right? Yes, yeah, I would entirely agree with you. Um, yeah, I would echo. Um, I think that the closeness. So I only met Professor C, um, who was the my Wilson instructor, um, for the first time, like last semester, and huh. I remember I was shocked that people were so. A lot of people were shocked um, when they saw us engage with each other. That we this was the first time we were actually meeting face to face because we know each other so well. Um, so I think that that's sort of um, a weird. I was. She's, she's tall. <laughs> I've heard about her height before, but um, yeah, I wasn't expecting this. Um, and also, like, phys- there is a different sort of quality to like physically engaging with a person. Um, but in terms of knowing a person and sort of like who they are, um, yeah, I've, I I knew her. She was the same person. Um, so that was sort of exciting. And I think right that does have something to do with language learning um, and how specifically you get to learn how a person's brain is operating, what they tend towards, what they tend away from, things that they'll uh, forget and remember. Um, Other surprises. um, So I think that the digital format um, and being at a distance also allows for, so we have like a group chat on WhatsApp um, where we'll send um, talks that are happening at different institutions. I think that, yes, it also opens up your world um, and sort of make, keeps you on the lookout. Even at Cornell, I've started to now in this past year be on the lookout for um, when there's events at Cornell happening that are in relationship to um, our class. And that doesn't mean just Wolof. That means basically anything that has to do with the African diaspora, colonialism, all of these different interests, and also the specific interests of different people um, that have been in the class over the years. Um, so it forms like a, very quickly, yes, a, a wider um, network and a wider community. I would even say that the SCI has transformed my life because it has exposed me to so many things that I would not have normally even imagined existed. And I hope that uh, with the transition back to in-classroom learning, we can still maintain all the benefits of Zoom. So the flexible office hours, the, um, the easy sharing of technology of resources such as videos and live streaming and even sharing a Google document that you can use to collaborate with other students. I hope that we can maintain the benefits of the online phase, but also use that to enrich the uh, in-person learning that we're going back to. Absolutely. I can also second this. Um, It also has, I feel that it has not only changed my life, but I know for a fact that it has changed the way that my family views their own, on my mother's side specifically, so the Haitian side, how they understand and view their own language. Um, specifically, it's a, it's a very Africana sort of context, but like this idea that like colonialism did something to us and that lang- our languages are broken, um, that Wolof, studying Wolof um, formally and learning some of the concepts and also some of the specific uh, examples and awareness that Professor Miriam has about um, the, the Haitian language has impacted beyond me um sort of so i think that's yeah it transforms ways that people can see themselves and understand themselves in larger context Mm -hmm. what would you tell your peers about why they should participate in the sci aliu do you want to get us started on that one i can um so um specifically for me, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but as an undergraduate at Cornell, um, you don't receive um, 
in, in, like or special sort of credit, even though I'm in the Africana Studies Department, um, for taking the Wolof language. But um, I will say that my research that I'm doing now, um, and also even so, I'm, the, my research currently is like looking at the Haitian language and the connection with Wolof, mm. um, and the connection um, with Pulat and other um, North Atlantic Niger Congo languages, um, both semantically and um, through like syntax. Um, so it's kind of diachronic, but also kind of synchronic. Mm-hmm. Um, wouldn't be possible without this. Um, and the sort of specific um, expertise that you get um, in participating at these with these uh, language learning initiatives um, is unique, right? I don't think that I would have somebody that's able to tell me this is an affix that does this, this is an affix that does this, per se, um, just anywhere. Yeah. Also, to be so dedicated to um, the sort of uh, my and dedicated and invested in my growth in the language, but also the application of this to um, my own realities daily and just at a larger existential sort of um, level. A lot of the discussions that we've had um, have shaped the way that I understand blackness, that have shaped the way that I understand our world mm-hmm. modernity mm-hmm. Um, and some of the divisions in the field. And I would not have had this um, if I had not taken Wolof. Um, so I think that it's not about, in my case, um, receiving a specific credit, but how it shapes, how it will ch- shape and change the way you think and see the world. Um, and that will make a difference in your life interpersonally, but also if you plan on going into the academy or whatever profession you end up going into, um, you sort of have a more expansive way of looking at the world. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Kevin, what are your thoughts on this? I think the SCI just opens up a lot of opportunities that are otherwise quite rare in the United States. These are less commonly taught languages that introduce you to an entire world of the language and also the culture at the same time. And I really like the fact that the classes are usually very small, so you get to know the other students very well and also the teacher. And you also find out a lot about other disciplines because there is just so much opportunity to talk about yourselves and what you're interested in. And you also find out about how other universities operate. And that's actually, I think... It gives perspective on your own experience in education, and you realize there might be other ways of doing things that mm. you could experiment, experiment with. And it's just fascinating to get this glimpse into other parts of the world on this this live format with other students. It's sort of like being on exchange at another university, but. Not exactly. It's a different mm-hmm. kind of experience, but still very rewarding. What advice do you have for other students about being an effective language learner? Take good notes. Um, I never, I'm very disorganized in my note taking. And um, yeah, the further I get into Wolof, the more I'm like, I know this word. I've seen this word. <laughs> I've seen this construction. I know this like suffix. I know what this means, but I can't find my notes. <laughs> So I would say take good notes and be persistent um, uh, in when like if a structure seems nonsensical to you or it doesn't make sense automatically to you, um, try and adopt a different sort of outside of your head, like get outside of your own head and just this is the way that you should do this. Um, don't question it. <laughs> I would say that one of the first things is to accept that you don't know everything and you will never know everything there is about a particular language. And that's perfectly okay. 
and realize that you often know more than you already and you think you know. Mm-hmm. And there, you have those resources. You just have to adapt them to novel situations. And I think Aliu said something about uh, being 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 open to try new things. Life doesn't always come with subtitles or Google mm-hmm. Translate, and sometimes you just have to learn to adapt with what you have. And that could just mean paraphrasing things or using circumlocutions. And that is that's a sign of progress. You're able to make use of these resources and make make life work for you. And it's going to be a gradual process. You should, I think, focus more. You should always learn new things, but also remember that you already have acquired a lot and you Mm -hmm. have to make the most of what you have while trying to acquire new structures and new Mm -hmm. words. I really appreciate your perspectives um, on language learning, on how things have progressed over the last few years. And I think it's it's amazing how invested the two of you are in this whole process. And I want to thank you for taking the time to advance your own language studies. This is really wonderful. Before we sign off, though, we want to ask both of you to share a word in a language you speak, you love, you are learning, or maybe you plan on learning in the future that makes you chuckle because we need more laughter in our lives. So... What is that word? Kevin, do you have one ready? Yes. So, the funniest word in the Hungarian language, at least to me, is elmozolaz. So, which is from the word mojor. Mojor means Hungarian. Mm-hmm. Elmozolaz was the second Hungarian word I learned. It actually means to explain. Oh. It means to put something into Hungarian language. Oh, that's very cool. Nice. Aliyu, what about you? Um, mine is Bop. It's from Wolof. It means head. Bop. Uh, <laughs> for some odd reason, I think it conjures an image of like a very round head and I have a very roundish head, so <laughs> it feels like a water droplet, so I always think that this word is very funny. <laughs> nice. I, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thank you both so much for speaking of language with us today. Aliu and Kevin, thank you again. Oh, thank you very much for inviting me here. Yes, and myself as well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Next week, join us to hear from Corinne Okino. Dr. Okino gave a talk as part of our monthly LRC speaker series on what everyone should know about American Sign Language and American Deaf Culture. You can watch her full talk on our YouTube channel. And, of course, you can listen to next week's episode online. Until then... Auf Wiederhören! The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or follow Cornell LRC on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Speaking of Language is produced by Angelica Kramer and Sam Lupowitz. Recorded by Sam Lupowitz. Original music by Sam Lupowitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson. Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University. We thank our listeners, and do stay tuned for our next episode.